0: Hi, everyone. Thanks for checking out the Thrive Podcast. We are the Young Adult Ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Wednesdays at 730 in our Family Life Center. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love for you to post it to your Instagram story and tag us at NBC Thrive on Instagram. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. And Lord, that is true that we are thankful to sing of your goodness. And God, how good you really are. And maybe for a lot of us, We come back to that reality that you are good, and that's the only good thing in our life right now. And so, God, we are thankful that that is true, that that is a reality, that you are good. And, Lord, we are thankful that you pursue us even when we don't pursue you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can take a seat. Um, If you have your Bibles, uh, go ahead and open up to Colossians, uh, where we've been the past couple of weeks. We are midway uh, through this series, and uh, just for some of you, by way of reminder, it is February, uh, so Valentine's Day is approaching rather quickly. And so, yeah, that's exciting for some of you. Uh, some of you are screwed, and so uh, you might, you might want to talk to somebody uh, before this year is over. But anyway, uh, total, total side note, total side note, uh, how many of you have family members that you really don't like. Just go ahead and throw your hand up. Sweet. Okay. The rest of you, I don't know. I don't understand you. I don't know where you're from. But anyway, I came came from Mogador, and there was family members that we didn't necessarily like. Um, You you know what I mean? They were just a part of the family. And I had certain family members (laughs) that when someone would ask me, hey, are you related to so-and-so, it was always that awkward like, Why? You know what I mean? And there was this one particular, it was like a weird thing where it was my dad's cousin's friend, you know. He, and he always had like, he was really well known, but not in a good way. And so people would always be like, you know, I'd show up somewhere, you know, what's your name? My name is Mike. What's your last name? Duma. Oh, oh do you know? And I can't say his name just in case, you know what I mean? So, And then I would, I would feel this awkwardness of like, do I have to relate with or defend this certain family member? Because I would rather not. And and there's an association with it. And when you get in those awkward moments, a lot of you, uh, it's one of the times where you'll lie the most. You're like, oh, they're great. I just love hanging out with her. I see her at Christmas. And in the back of your mind, you're like, I hate my cousin. You know, you have this thought or this feeling, and the reason is, maybe, maybe, you have reasons that you would not like that particular person. They've done some things, uh, maybe they've said some things to you, but probably, probably, where the reason you feel a certain way towards them is because they have tarnished or ruined the reputation of whatever your last name is. You fill in the blank. They've ruined the reputation of, for me, maybe say Duma in this category. I feel like, oh my gosh, they bring that name up, and I'm like, there's weight to that. I feel like I gotta, you know, what, I gotta sign a document. I gotta bail him out of jail. What do I gotta do? To, because I am associated with that person. Well, tonight, uh, I feel like in some ways that is what I am doing. Um, because we are going to talk about this idea of what religion is and what, what religion brings. There is an aspect of what we're talking about tonight where um, religion is really, really good. Um, religion can be something that is beneficial. How many of you, real quick, raise raise of hands? You saw that video. I think it came out in 2011. It was like Jesus over religion by Jefferson Bethke. Raise your hand real quick. Okay, a few of you. And when you saw that, for a lot of you, like you were like, yeah, we against the church. We love Jesus, but we don't like the church religion. Well, the problem with that is, is in the Bible, uh, it talks about how there is this thing that's called good religion. Really, it says that in James 1. It says, pure religion or good religion is this. It does something beneficial. It helps an orphan. It helps a widow. It is active. Well, the problem with that... And the reason that video had probably resonated with, I probably had 30 million views when I watched it 10 years ago, I don't know. Uh, but the problem is, when I say the word religion, there is something that pops into your mind where you envision something or picture something or you have had an experience. So if we were going to be interactive tonight, and I'm not because that always gets people like sweating if there's like silence, but if I was going to say, hey, if, if, when I say the word religion, what's the first thing that pops into your mind? Go. Go. Oh, okay. Dead. Yes. That was great, man. My man. Dead. So, okay. That's good. So, anyone else? Anyone else? When I say religion, what pops into your mind? Practice. Practice. Yes. What else? Ukrainians. Ukrainians. <laughs> I don't know nothing about Ukrainians. I guess they're religious. But uh, what about this word? Tradition? De- like he said, dead. Tradition? Empty? or Or just mundane? It makes people feel a certain way. Now, The reason you probably feel a certain way about religion is because you've been impacted by it by someone who was very religious. Who is the most, don't answer this one out loud, you can get in trouble for that. Who is the most religious person that you know? And why do you feel that way about them? Why do you, or why do you believe they're so religious? Is it because their Bible is massive? I mean, that thing is tucked under. They don't go anywhere without the sword, right? We go to battle, we go to fight, and uh, they're—I they're, mean—they pray. When they pray, you never even see, heard words that they say. You're like, man, how they learn that? And they just pray real long, and you're like, that's my dad, man. When he starts to pray over the—Oh, you know, Father God, Lord in heaven, Almighty, Thou—you know—and you're kind of like, what, what are we doing here? Uh, but who do you think of? I have someone pop in my mind. Um, They are extremely, extremely disciplined. They can, I mean, I feel like they have never sinned. They don't even know what sin is. They read it before in the Bible, but they've never accidentally sinned because why? They're very religious. Well, Jesus, when, when he came, um, he actually, and a lot of people would say he brought, you know, if you're outside of Christianity, they would say he brought a new religion or he brought a new way. And he did not bring a new religion, but rather what? He brings a relationship, not a religion. And truly, truly, religious people, religious people always mean well. They always mean well. I mean, they want to honor God. They want to honor the Bible. What they'll do sometimes is they'll say, hey, uh, here's a verse that says you shouldn't uh, do something. Or maybe uh, they'll proof text or maybe about tattoos or smoking cigarettes. Or uh, they'll have something about drinking and they'll add all these other barriers up. And they'll say, hey, because we don't want you to do that one thing, you should never do these five things that we add. It's a good motive. it's It's just wrong. And what Jesus did when he came, he talked about religious people all the time. And he would talk to them. And what was the word that he would use to describe them? Hypocrites. You hypocrites. He would, I mean, he would just call these suckers out. When it was someone who was, when, it, when someone would make a mistake in front of Jesus and they would accidentally fall into something, accidentally, he would be extremely gracious. I mean, the woman at the well caught in sin, the woman caught in adultery when he's, Zacchaeus, when he's interacting with different people who would make mistakes, he was very, very gracious. He was not, not very gracious to religious people. Why? Because he was speaking on behalf of God, or because they were speaking on behalf of God, saying things about God that are not true. They're just not true. They put heavy demands on other people that they are trying to keep themselves. And what they will do is they will constantly, constantly point, poke, and prod at what they want other people to do what they are doing. I I, I think you've gotten the point by now. I'm I'm talking about how Jesus is, is exposing hypocrites or very bad religious people. Now... This passage that we're jumping into in verses 16 to 23, the last half of chapter 2, is addressing these types of people. People who are very religious, people who, I mean, they keep, keep rules like nobody's business. They know how to say things. They've never made mistakes. And what they do is they'll put heavier demands on people. That they'll add requirements to people in what Jesus did. And we'll talk about this more towards the end. But what he does, he brings a teaching and a way of life that is light. It is not a heavy burden. It is a light teaching, a light burden that is easy. It is literally easy. He says, they say, do this, don't do this, do this. Jesus says, Believe come to me. My way is easy. It is light. And so in this passage, in this text tonight, what I'm going to distinguish is I'm going to talk about what bad religion is. Because there is good religion. Like I said in James 1, good religion is active. It is when you believe something. It is when you seek to help someone. Bad religion, and tonight I'll talk about really four things in this passage I believe it does. Um, And the first one is Bad religion uses Jesus as a support, not a substance. And it says in verse 16, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in question of food or drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So what what he is saying is that there are people out there, During this time, they are judging uh, certain Christians on what they eat. What a weird time. What a weird, weird time. They were judging them about, you know, can you eat pork? Can you not? Can you do this? Can you not? What day are we allowed to go to church? Can I go on Saturday? Can I go on Wednesday? Can I go on Sunday? Uh, Ding, you know, maybe it's Sunday. You should go on Sunday. Uh, (laughs) there There are people who are saying, hey, there are these festivals in the Old Testament that people would use to celebrate to get you closer to God. There were certain food regulations that they would have to, in a sense to bring you closer to God. There was new moons or Sabbaths or things in a rule of life that would help bring you closer to God. And what happened when Jesus came totally flipped the world on its head. He brought a new way of life and in, in a sense tearing down the, the wall of hostility and wall between us and God. And now we have free access to him and what Paul has said All those things were shadows of what's to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So that you and I should never, should never put uh, in our own lives saying, I believe God loves me more when I read my Bible. God loves me more because I attend church twice a week. God loves me more because I go to a Bible study. God loves me more because I don't cuss unless I'm in my car, down 77, I get cut off, I'll cuss, right? You know, there are certain things that you should not believe if you are better. He's saying all these things that you did, in a sense, to prove your love for God, doesn't necessarily mean that God loves you more because of that. He's saying, but the substance belongs to Christ. So the, the the thing about it, in, when we talk about Jesus in Ephesians 2, it says that Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, that um, other people uh, maybe will use Jesus not as a substance, not as a foundation, but maybe one of the pillars in their life. And, and the way that would play out for you and I is, you like Jesus, you like the idea of him, he's extremely helpful to you when you're not doing well, but he is simply a way to, uh, he's, an end, he, he's just to justify the means, right? So you don't love Jesus, but you like that he helps you maybe with your anxiety. You don't love Jesus, but you like that uh, on, you know, when you sing songs, you feel really close to him. That you don't like the idea of Jesus, he's not your foundation, he's not your pillar, he's not your cornerstone, he's just one of your life stones. He's just something that he, he's not your uh, he's not your substance. He he's a support system to you. And a question that you and I can ask because of this is what's or what is holding you up in your life? What is holding you up? Is Jesus for you simply? a substance, or is he your support, or is he your foundation? Because often I'll know, I'll know that Jesus is not my foundation in my life when I allow other things or other people to run uh, my emotions in my life, right? Certain things will happen, certain things will pop up, I'll start to feel a certain way and I'll say, wait, why is this one thing affecting me so much, why is this one friend's comment affecting my perspective of how I believe God views me so much? Is it Jesus holding me up or my good works that are holding me up? Is it Jesus that is my firm foundation or is it that I believe I can kind of, I'm better than, than most people, Bad religion, bad religion will always point to Jesus not as a support system, not as a foundation. It'll say, hey, Jesus is just one more thing. Once you got Jesus, you gotta get a little bit more. You gotta do something else. You gotta be better here. You gotta, you know, once you get baptized, now you really got Jesus. You didn't have him before. That's what bad religion does. And as we've said every week in Colossians, that it is all about Jesus. Everything you do. Everything we do, it is all about Jesus. It's not about my favorite song, not about my favorite speaker, not about my the ESV, NKJV. Those are translated Is favorite Bible. Is it What is it all about? It is all about Jesus. And bad religion, what they will say is, what they will say is, they will constantly say, Jesus is just one more thing, but you need to do, 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 do jesus says or what the bible i believe teaches is that jesus looks at you and is pleased with you for simply who you are in christ i cannot earn god's love for me and i cannot unearn it because of what christ has done bad religion uses jesus as a support and not a substance number two bad religion seeks to disqualify and bring disunity so he says this, Let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism and worship of angels. Let me just pause right there and talk for a second. Um, there will be a few things that pop up about asceticism and mysticism. I don't even know what you're like. What are those words are? I had to research them, look them up. I can barely pronounce them. Uh, let no one disqualify you in, 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 regarding these things. So how many of you have had a conversation with someone uh, talking about God, maybe talking about Jesus or Christianity, and what they will say is this, well, what works for you, what works for you? And what works for me, works for me. I'm happy for you that it works for you, right? And, and at the core, at the core of what the Bible is talking about here is this idea. That, hey, if it, if it works for you, it works for you. And my response is always like, well, what if it doesn't work for God, what if it doesn't, I mean, if it, yeah, I'm, I'm glad it makes you feel well. Um, there's a way that seems right to a, to a man, and its end is the way of death. I'm glad you feel good about it, but don't you want to know what, what works for God? What really works for God? And so at the, at the core, asceticism is that. That is saying, hey, what works for you works for you. I'm glad that you are happy. As long as you are happy, I'm happy for you. So that's what that is. In worship of angels. Um, People would be teaching that Jesus was simply an angel that uh, really is is weird to think about because one of the Ten Commandments is what? Uh, You shall worship no other gods before me, and that's God speaking. And in Revelation 22, uh, sorry, Bible time, 6 and 7, when uh, John had bowed down to worship an angel, he said, stand up, stand up, you are to not worship an angel, that Jesus is God. Going on in details about visions puffed up uh, without reason by his sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. So, real quick. um, When I say bad religion seeks to disqualify and brings disunity, and it says going on about visions puffed up uh, without reason. You have to be careful. And I don't, you know... way it applies to us today you have to be careful that you do not believe every video you see every tiktok testimony every reel every youtube i'm serious you'll see something and you're like oh man maybe that's true you'll you'll start to question you'll start to wonder and what paul is saying hey what bad religion would like to do is simply by way of testimony or way of visions, without any reason, you being tricked or unable to discern what is right. And so, what bad religion does, it will disqualify and it will bring disunity. It, it will say, hey, there's not necessarily one way. What? There are many ways. That what fits for you works for you. As long as it works, I'm happy. For you, that, that, is, that is a good thing. And when it says disqualify, um, you, have to be, you have to be careful here um, what it means in the sense of let no one disqualify you. What he is saying is this the authority or the, the proof or power that you feel in Christ, the assurance that you have in Christ, is not in someone else's approval or disapproval of that whether it is a family member, a friend, whether they like it or they don't like it. He's saying, let no one disqualify you. The substance belongs to Christ, not in the affirmation or deaffirmation of other people. And then it brings disunity. He's saying knit together, uh, and he's saying "Holding, holding fast to the head, and this idea that growth is from faith in God. Growth is from faith in God. So um, bad, what bad religion will say is if you want to get close to God, let me give you a little devotional booklet, a little quiet time, six, you know, seven days a week, uh, 30 minutes a day. Uh, you'll read this amount of times. You'll uh, face this direction. you got to pray uh, five times a day facing, you know, this certain direction. And you have to do all of these certain things uh, in order for God to be pleased with you, that God is now seeing your growth once you start to do more, once you start to become a better person. And I believe that truly um, that is a lie. It says in John 15, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and whoever abides in me, whoever abides in me, that that is where he has true growth, or not, that you can't do anything apart from me. And what, when we abide in Jesus, it truly is that we are connected to him. And that when our faith in God grows, we truly grow. So there's this, this, this unity aspect, there's this disqualifying aspect, and God, and Paul in this letter, is truly saying growth is from faith in God. Not you being a better person, not you stopping uh, ten lists uh, you know that you already failed from New Year's resolutions, not the things you actually want to start doing. It is not from those things that you are truly growing it is when you are firm and your foundation is in Christ. Now don't hear me wrong. You're like, man, Pastor, I got to read my Bible, I got to pray, I ain't got to go nowhere, I got to stop doing these things. It is in those moments that faith, faith, it co- obedience comes from faith, not the other way around. Not that once I am obedient faith is produced. Number 3. <clears throat> bad religion lies about your position. It says in verse 20, If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why? As if you are still alive in the world. So religion has an ex- extremely bad view of the world and your position in the world. Bad religion or religion, what they will say is, hey, you should be really, really scared of the world. Um, you should live in fear, not faith, that, um, that the world has a certain amount of power over you. You should be super fearful. You should live in fear. You should not, uh, you, know, they have, you know, all these things that bad religion will promote to you. But he's saying, if with Christ you died, and I love how he poses the question, Hey, if you are truly following after Christ, if you truly, it says in chapter 3, verse 3, if, you're, if you've died and your life is hidden with Christ, if you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, if you've died with Christ, why? Why do you keep going back as if you were living in the world? And you've got you to be careful here, um, because I believe what he is trying to say is, why do you always go back to the things that don't, don't bring you what you want it to bring? Why do you live in a way that is not honoring to God? When, you, when you, you've already died with Christ, your life is hidden in God, that your life is not your own, that my life is not my own, so therefore, why would I go back to old ways of living in an old, different way that didn't work for me? It didn't work for me, it didn't work for God, and so I had to change the way I would believe and to change the way I would live for Christ. He's saying, why would you go back? What did, what did, that, what did that bring you? And truly, this, in this letter, when he is saying this to them, he's saying, why would you guys believe something that you, you're going back to old religious ways, you're going back to old habits, you're, you're adding things to the gospel. He's like, you know better than that. You know so much better than that. So why would you, why would you go back? And for me, I was thinking in, this, in our context for us, a lot of times we'll have really good seasons when we're walking with God. I know for me, it's always like the summer. I feel like God loves me more in the summer. I don't know if it's the sun or what, it just is. Like, and then January, I'm like, why are you mad at me? Like, it's just cold. I don't like it. I feel dead. dark at like three o'clock. I'm like, man, I start believing. So that's just like total, that's just me. Anyway, um, sometimes I'll, I'll tend to go back to certain things where I'm like, no, I, I know better than that. I know better than that. And for me, I think that this reminder is kind of like the daily daily grind. Why would you go back to a certain way of living when you know what is true? Why would I go back to believing a certain way when I know what's true? I know what Christ has done for me. I know that it was by grace through faith. It wasn't the works that got me to God, and it's not the works that will sustain me with God. But rather, and you probably have all heard this, Religion or bad religion is saying, hey, here's what you can do to get to God. And Christianity is Jesus reaching down and saying, here is what I've done for you to get to God. That it is not what I can do, but what Christ does for me. That is true, true Christianity, not based on works or what I can do. And lastly, uh, number four, is bad religion always puts rules on, over relationship real quick um there is there it says in the bible that uh rules or the law is not necessarily bad that it's actually good it says in first timothy 1 8 that if someone uses a a rule or a law lawfully or good it can actually be a good thing but he is explaining how when it's used in a bad way um so anyway it says do not submit to regulations don't you love that word don't submit. I feel like that's something we should like just think about for a minute. Like, don't submit. Like, you know, anytime. It's like any, you know, there's people that would just rip a verse out of context. Your boss tells you to do something tomorrow and says, hey, my Bible says don't submit. I'm just kidding. Don't say that. Anyway, has nothing to do with that. Don't submit uh, to regulations. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to, thing, referring to things that all perish as they are used according to human precepts and teaching. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and, there it is again, asceticism and the severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. So, here's what I believe that this is, this is getting at teaching. Bad religion and a bad way of Christianity is this. You need to try harder. You need to... White knuckle whatever situation you are in. And the harder you try, and the more you try, and the better you become, then you will work yourself out of that situation. That you will finally have victory. If you just try harder, and I don't even know how to explain it, but you just try really, really hard. You just try. You're, you're trying hard. Whatever that means for you, you're, you're trying That is what I believe he is getting at here. He's saying, this is self-made religion. It has the appearance of wisdom. So just like uh, when you hear someone say, if you do these 10 things, then uh, you'll never struggle with this one sin in your life again. You're like, that's what I got to do. I got to do those 10 things. Once I stop doing this, I start being a better person. I'll try really, really hard. I'll never get in a fight with this person again. I'll I'll never cuss ever again. I'll never, you know, stumble into this sin on a Saturday night. And you just kind of try really, really hard. But what happens? If you're just like everyone else, you last about 32 hours, right? You try really, really hard. If you're really disciplined, you'll make it maybe a couple weeks. And you'll, you'll make it, and then eventually what happens? You mess up. You fall, you, you make a mistake. The one thing that you said, I will never do this again. You threw it out the window, you, you, know, you did whatever, you deleted the app, you, you said, I'm never going back. And then you do, and then what happens? You start to believe tons and tons of lies. Guilt, you start to say, man, I knew I wasn't good enough to do this. I, you know, you'll know, you start to say, man, I wish I wasn't the way I am. I wish I could change. I wish I could be different. And what bad religion does, it puts rules over the relationship. It says you have to do. You have to do. You ha- it's all about self-made religion. It has, look at the bottom, no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Literally, it can't be done it can be done in the appearance. So the person when I said earlier when we started, who's the most religious person that you know? And I and I asked you the question, why? You thought, man, because they, they got their act together. I mean, they know verses. They go to church all the time. You should see their feet. I mean, it's just their Bible verses. They're really religious. It's the appearance. And then what you and I do is we put ourselves in a camp to where we would say, well, I just, I can't, I can't be good enough then. Well, then, it's just not for me. I just, I, I tried this before. I used to try to conquer this one thing, but I just can't now. That's not for me. And later on, and I think in two weeks, we'll talk more about when it says put to death the deeds of the body and, and what that truly means, but it is not, that, that bad religion, it always puts rules over top of relationship. And here's a question that I want us to kind of close out on and think on. Where in my life am I not allowing Jesus to hold me up? Because when, when it is about the relationship, when it's about the relationship in Christianity, and hopefully you feel this in some kind of community, you are allowed, you are allowed to take one step forward, two steps back, you are allowed to belong before you believe that someone doesn't want anything from you, they just want something for you, that they're saying, hey, as you stumble forward, that your struggle with sin doesn't end when you finally find your significant other, your struggle with sin doesn't end when you get married, your struggle with sin doesn't end when you find your career, that that is a lifelong battle. And if you try to be more and more disciplined, stronger, better, there is no value in that in stopping the flesh. And even as I'm saying this, I think a lot of you are like, yep, I already know that. So what do I got to do? What do I got to do? What are the things I, you know, what are the verses I got to memorize? What do I got to do? And it says in John 6 that this is the work of God, that you believe. And for us, I mean, even for us, we're just kind of like, no, no, I need, I need something tangible. I need, I need a list. I need something to put on that I can say, okay, here are the 10 things I'm going to do. And a lot of times I believe it's so hardwired into me and into you. I'm unable to allow God to work into my life and to bring a grace teaching, a light teaching, because even as I talk about religion, a lot of us are attracted to it. It's tangible. I can do better. I can, it's it's performance-based. And what Jesus says, he just says, hey, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. If you've heard a teaching that's heavy, you've tried things that are heavy, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke, which is just a a heavy, he says, take my yoke. It is light. He says, you will find rest for your souls. True rest. That you can, in a sense, you can relax and say, God, I need change on the inside out, not the outside in. I need a heart transformation. That for some of us, you're walking with Christ and you would say, even in certain areas, God, I need you to just do a little bit of surgery on my heart. The doubt I feel, the anxiety I feel, it's areas that I don't believe you or trust you. And for some of you, maybe uh, you would say that I need, I need a new heart That I need to be a new creation in Christ. That I've always tried to do, never just to receive. And why not? Why not that tonight? Why not you make a decision to follow Christ for the first time if you never have? And for a lot of us, maybe it's just saying, I need to, a lot of times when we gather, it's, hey, let's just come back as a reminder to the gospel what Christ has done. And probably the emptiness that I am feeling, or the emptiness that I, have ha- that I have that Colossians is addressing, has to do with position, has to do with position, where it says in uh, verse 20, if you have di- if you- with Christ you have died, why as if you are still alive in the world? That I wouldn't feel the need to go back and try and fix everything, but with Jesus I would just stay put that I would be able to sit and to realize and understand that in Christ, in Christ, there is freedom to be found. Let me pray for us. God, we are thankful for you, and we are thankful uh, for your word. And God, I just pray for tonight um, that Colossians and uh, the Bible would sit well with our hearts and minds, and God, that you would help all of us, even in areas where uh, we, we are a little bit too religious, that we struggle with um, some legalism that is joyless, it is judgmental. And so, God, would you help us to look inward and to reflect instead of looking outward at others? Would you help us to examine our own heart and mind and ask, God, what do you want from me? What area in my life do I tend to go back What area of my life do I try to just be better and uh, find no value in the flesh? God, would you speak to us and minister to us tonight? God, we are thankful that we get to be here and get to meet. And Lord, I just pray that we would all leave here encouraged tonight. We pray this in your name. Amen.